This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Still can't believe how that game went down over the weekend time. Never seen a football game quite like that one time. Seen a lot. Hadn't seen that time. Uh, it would take uh, something big. For, uh, for a, a big week this week time. That's okay. That's why they play the game time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant, uh, unseasonably warm Monday afternoon, I suppose you could say, late afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee will play the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs at 330 on Saturday in a game broadcast by CBS, which, as you know, is the best network that has ever existed in the history of the world. And a network that never, ever, ever has too many commercials in a football game. A lot of people say otherwise. They're just wrong. I'm a company man. I am. You know who else is a company man? Is the man we're going to go across town to the home daycare center and speak with him. It's the one, the only Ryan Callahan to talk a little Tennessee football, football recruiting, maybe a tiny bit of basketball on this edition too. Let's uh, let's bring Ryan in for the fun. What's up, Ryan? Not much, man. And uh, you know, you say it's unseasonably warm, but that's not true. Uh, the weather just got cold last week to make us uh, better adapted to this, uh, to what truly should be fall weather, and that's more what we're getting. Today, so it just feels, you know, better than it did last week. I don't know. It's seventy degrees today. It's pretty nice. Doesn't that I know feel- it should. It should be that way though. Should like, it be November this time of year? I mean, yeah. Does, I don't know. But every mean, day does, no- it, does anything mean anything anymore? Yeah, it's true. But every day in November shouldn't be in the forties. To to what's probably your point. That's um, true. But I think it will be. Just- I think it will be on Saturday though. I think uh, the yep. last, last I saw was the the high was forecasted around forty seven, the low of thirty seven. Yeah. For that game on Saturday. And by the way, we're going to get y'all ready since the CBS game. Uh, we're going to be uh, good CBS people here, and we're going to do uh, commercials every three minutes uh, in this podcast, <laughs> and they're going to last well, seven minutes long just to get everyone ready for uh, for for what could, what they can expect over the weekend. Well, and speaking of cold November games, it was also announced Monday that Tennessee's game against South Alabama is, get ready, boys and girls, a 7.30 Eastern time kickoff on ESPNU. Did not see that uh, coming. Thought that was I thought that had noon or 4 p.m. written all over it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people were hoping for that. But, uh, you know, it's it's a weird November this year. You get, you get South Alabama at, at the end. Uh, this is different. I, I like the Georgia game being played late in the year like this and having a meaningful SEC East rival playing in the, in the final weeks of the season as opposed to the usual Vanderbilt or for years, Kentucky. You know, it's good to have some variety, but um, 
it's just gonna be weird. Homecoming is the Georgia game. And then you've got South Alabama after that playing at night. Um, so a little bit different this year, but that, that's okay. Yeah, it's going to probably be a little chilly for that one, too, I imagine, as you said. But that that's okay. And you know what else starts this season? Basketball uh, season starts at Tennessee. The Vols are hosting UT Martin Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Grant Ramey and I will be there. Uh, we'll be discussing that game a little bit later. Not sure we're going to do a breaking news podcast for what's going to be an inevitable 30- or 40-point beatdown of the Skyhawks, no offense to uh, Jason Simpson and my boys out there at UT Martin. I just don't think that one's going to go very well for them, uh, but we'll discuss that on Thursday. We'll get a little more Georgia football preview, uh, Tennessee-Georgia preview. We'll talk some talk some, some Tennessee-UT Martin basketball, talk about the tougher games that are coming up on the schedule for Tennessee basketball, lots and lots of good stuff to discuss there. But we're primarily sticking with football and football recruiting here uh, because I, I got to tell you, Ryan, we've had now what forty-eight hours or thirty-six hours, whatever it is, to to digest uh, what happened uh, in Tennessee's forty-five forty-two win at Kentucky on Saturday, and parts of it are still sort of unbelievable to me. I just don't know how those statistics end up in that kind of game. But the only statistic that matters is forty-five to forty-two, right? It, yeah, and and Tennessee. Let let's be real. Either team losing that game in that scenario would have felt wrong in one way or another. Tennessee losing that game after taking a you know or after scoring t- twice so quickly in the first minutes of the game and um, getting a defensive touchdown and all, all the things that happened in that game. It, it it would have been an injustice to either team losing that game. But for Kentucky to to have those kinds of numbers, I mean, we we covered it. Uh, Saturday night after the game, but just the how rare it is to have 600 yards of total offense, 40 plus points, never punt, all those things, and and Kentucky still doesn't win that game. But it, just a just one of those bizarre games, and I'm I'm shocked it turned into an offensive shootout like that. Uh, gives Tennessee plenty to to go back and correct on defense, uh, and I, I think we can say with some certainty at this point that. Anybody who can run at all at quarterback uh, is going to try to yeah. run on Tennessee yeah. uh, the rest of the season because that just looks like one of this defense's Achilles' heels. And offensively, they, you know, they're going to have a tough time duplicating what they did Saturday, uh, Saturday night. But you know, with uh, with the number one team in the country coming to Neyland Stadium with a maybe historically good defense, uh, you know, it is a it is a big challenge and a good good measuring stick, obviously, for just how much of a thorn in the side this offense can be for opposing defenses it's uh it's, it's a game no one's going to expect Tennessee to win but uh hey you know Georgia's not really been tested a whole lot you know everybody has those games sometimes you never know crazier things have happened in a rivalry game especially right yeah they have and 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 I wanted to spend a lot of time this week discussing that Tennessee Georgia game but I, I just want to make one more point on that Kentucky thing before we kind of gradually start to move on and and it's that either I've not said something correctly or some people have taken it the wrong way or both. I guess both are are possible to quote Forrest Gump. Maybe, maybe it's both at the same time. But I, I I think a lot of people were saying that I did not, that I, that I said or or wrote that Tennessee did not deserve to win that game Saturday night. And, And that's not at all my point. Football is like life. It's not about, what you deserve it's about what you get what happens to you and how you respond to it and I think it's important and really a huge positive 
that Tennessee found a way to football game, win a game when that many things went wrong. Because against Pitt, so many things went wrong, Tennessee almost won that game. Ole Miss, so many things went wrong, Tennessee almost won that game. But you know what Tennessee did both those games? It lost. Just like when things were getting tight there in the second half at Gainesville, they went the wrong way. Things got tight in the second half at Tuscaloosa, they went the wrong way. That's Tennessee's four losses this season. This was the first time Tennessee faced a significant amount of adversity. Really, a lot of it self-inflicted, some of it just Kentucky making good plays. But Tennessee won that game despite all of that happening. And I think that sort of resilience, uh, mental fortitude, testicular fortitude, all of that, I I think that is a good thing for Tennessee. Because if anybody can win a game when everything's going well and you're beating the crap out of your opponent. To win a game like that, that's a huge step for Tennessee, especially on the road, especially against a ranked team. And I thought it was a positive message, and I think some people said that I, I, I said Tennessee didn't deserve to win because I didn't like the call in Kentucky at the end, all that stuff. No, I, I think it's huge for Tennessee that it won despite all that. Yeah, no, it is. And, and I, I think that team uh, has, has shown a lot of toughness in those situations all year, um, but this is the first time it's resulted in a win. You know, they've not been in a lot of close games but they, you know, they climbed back into the Pittsburgh game, gave themselves a chance to, to win in the final minutes before Hendon Hooker quickly threw an interception on a drive that could have uh, could have allowed them to tie the game. And then in the Ole Miss game, obviously they drive down in the final minute after the craziness that happened in that game and have a chance from the 20-yard line or so on the final play of the game to, to maybe win. So they, they've shown some resiliency. They've shown some of that competitive character uh, that, that you saw, obviously, Saturday night. But this one, you know, they, they, they found a way to, to get it done. And the, the biggest sequence to me, of course, and we talked about it Saturday night, was, you know, giving up that fourth and 24. That just felt like one of those back-breaking plays. Yeah, it did. It's just, I mean, it felt like fourth and, what was it, fourth and 14 against Florida several years ago. And, you know, all, all those plays that we've seen Tennessee give up over the years that, that have led to losses in maybe similar circumstances – it felt like another one of those. And r- what happens right after Tennessee gets right back up off the mat and makes four consecutive stops to, to essentially end the game. So a uh, lot of credit to that, to that defense for after a hundred, I think Rodney Garner said a hundred three gradable snaps uh, Saturday night. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause, that, cause yeah, the official stats said 99, but it was more than that because there were other yeah. plays that, that didn't, you know, penalties that, that occurred or, or, you know, dead ball stuff that there were, there were definitely more than a hundred snaps for that defense. Exactly. And, that, and that's at least the, what the second time this year, that's been the case. Uh, which game was it recently? Ole Miss or yeah. Alabama? Uh, maybe both, it was Alabama, of, but, both of them were near and one was over. Yeah, so so you you've, this defense has piled up a lot of snaps. You know, even when you rotate guys and, and do all those things, it still adds up. And for this defense to dig deep and find a way to get that stop in that situation, I I just thought that was the type of game past Tennessee teams w- would not have bounced back from that fourth and twenty four play and and found a way to win. And this team did, and give them a lot of credit for that. And, and you know what that what that win does it it, it does all of the things that we discussed last week and Saturday night, Sunday morning, that, that it meant all of the positives for 
the long run, for, for, for the short term, for the just the just so many reasons that you needed to beat this Kentucky team, you know, for for on the field now, for for recruiting stuff, for for just lots and lots of reasons, for setting the tone, for making sure that you know what, maybe you're not at the top of the East yet, which you clearly are not, but you're you're above all those four teams that historically you're usually supposed to beat. They're 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 back ahead of those teams now. And it, it, or at least you know certainly miles ahead of some of them, and right there, but maybe slightly better than others. But what it also does is, if you weren't already playing with house money this week, now you're one hundred percent playing with house money this week. And I got to tell you, I, I think in, in so many ways, Georgia is a nightmare nightmare matchup for Tennessee. But on the other hand, Ryan, does it really matter? Because you're playing him at Neyland Stadium, you got a, a crowd fired up behind you, and you got a team that you're not expected to do anything against. No, absolutely. As you said, they're playing with house money. They've, uh, you know, Tennessee's not been uh, just completely blown out by really anybody this year. I guess the closest they've come is maybe Florida. Uh, and even that one, they were in it in the second half for a while. So uh, they, they've they've shown an ability to to be a thorn in the side. Uh, Georgia, I, I would not say Georgia has faced many teams like Tennessee this year. Um, so there, there are reasons to think Tennessee could uh, could make things uh, difficult here for a little while Saturday. And, and you know, you get the game to the second half and, and anything's possible. So, uh, I, I you know, it was interesting to me hearing Mark Stoops talk about Tennessee after Saturday's game uh you know he he just talked about how how difficult those wide splits Tennessee runs makes it for an opposing defense to stop the run uh and and to stop all the things that they do and Kentucky had done a good job of stopping the run all season they did a pretty good job against Tennessee Tennessee had what like five yards of carry though yeah I was like but when it came down to it in the fourth quarter when Tennessee tried to slow things down run the ball run some clock Jalen Wright goes in and, and gets 50 yards on seven carries uh, all, all in a pretty short period of time. So I, I, I think this, th- this offense just does enough things that are a, a change up uh, from, especially with the fast pace from what you typically see on a weekly basis that you know, I, we, we've kind of said it all year, you know, that they're that team, they're the, you know, the equivalent of the, the, what the old how mummy teams at Kentucky or, you know, pick whatever example you want uh, Mike Leach, kind of the same thing at Mississippi state, but they're just one of those teams that you, you have to prepare for a little bit differently. And there's only so much you can do to prepare for it. And anytime you're facing a team like that, it, it gives you a chance to, to make things pretty interesting. So, you know, again, that now, now the, the thing that's tough about this for Tennessee, Georgia can kind of pour everything into this game, you know, down the stretch, they don't have uh, really a tough sure, game left sure. after, after sure. this. So this is their final sec game. You know, there's, there's, they're not going to be overlooking Tennessee. You know, they've got Georgia Tech in a couple weeks, but that, that, that shouldn't be tough, too tough for that team. Um, so I, th- this is one they can, you know, they're, they're not going to be caught, uh, caught sleeping at the wheel, I don't think. Uh, and they're, you know, they didn't have a big game last week either, so shouldn't be too beaten up or, uh, or, or coming off a hangover from that game or anything. So, th- so the setup's not necessarily like primed for an upset or anything. Not, it's not that kind of situation, but if there's a team that's capable of surprising Georgia and giving them a better game than people expect, there's no reason on paper that it can't be Tennessee, a team that's obviously scored a pretty good number of points against, you know, all but one team it's played this year. Yeah. And, and I think there's really only, 
I've said this a few times throughout the year, but preparing for Tennessee, it, it, it's almost like playing, preparing for like a service academy type of, of environment. Um, but Tennessee has SEC athletes. It doesn't have depth, but it has SEC athletes. And, and what I mean by that is it's just so different from what you're used to seeing on a weekly basis because the combination of, of wide, wide splits, like as wide as the field goes, stretching it horizontally to the max, combined with the ability to, to power run and quarterback run, that and that pace, it is so uncomfortable. It makes defenses. It, it's like if you – and Hypo's a quarterback. He, he knows what this, what this offense, ha, how it can feel to stop. And you can almost feel helpless at times because you, you can't disguise. Like, it, it, the wider the field gets, the harder it is to disguise your coverages. You just can't do it. Um, it also limits the amount of defenses you can call in some cases. There's just some things that you have to take out of the, out of the, the bag because you, you, you can't really call them against that sort of, a, sort of a system. And there's no way for your scout team to learn that offense as quickly and to play it as quickly and efficiently and with the athletes Tennessee has, the only thing you can do really that would help your defense a lot is if you play Ole Miss the previous week. And, and, and now Tennessee's even going faster than Ole Miss, and they do some different things schematically. They're not carbon copies, but that sort of pace and tempo and splits – you know, but but see, Ole Miss is even back going back to more some of those bunch formations and things. I mean, Tennessee is just wide open all the time, and it is a nightmare when you don't because you just don't see it very often, and you can't get ready for it in a few days. I mean, that's why look at the first quarter numbers throughout the season. Even teams like Alabama, who who have obviously one of the best defensive coaches the game's ever had, they just can't get their defenses ready until they've seen it, and when they've seen it then they can usually make some adjustments, which makes what Tennessee did to Kentucky even more impressive because that's a pretty decent defense with, some, I think, some, some future NFL players on it. And Tennessee still made plays late in the game, so, so that was a nice change. You know, A couple of the big plays against Alabama late were, were, were signs, I think, that this team is progressing in that way. And it's just so hard to get ready. This Georgia defense, I mean, to put up the numbers that this Georgia defense has in this era with the kind of offenses that are out there, it's phenomenal. 6.6 it, points a game, It's it would be insane any year. That would have been insane like in the 30s and 40s. But now in this era, it's just baffling. And it, it, it's just, you know, if a defense, the only way, Ryan, that I can think of to really slow down this Tennessee offense is when you beat the crap out of it out front and you don't let it run. Because if you let it run just a little bit, then everything's in play, the tempo's going, you're worrying about everything on every play, and you're in trouble. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I've looked at this, uh, the, at least the numbers for this matchup, you know, to, to see where where Georgia might be vulnerable. You, you see a couple things that stand out. You know, their offense, you know, for anybody who thinks they're just all defense, I mean, sure, the defense has played a big part in this, but Scoring offense, Georgia's averaging more points than Tennessee. Yes. Um, yes. So, again, short fields, turnovers, other things have helped them score those points. But not just total points, offensive points, Georgia is outscoring Tennessee this year. So they're, they're, they're explosive in their own way. They just do it a little bit differently from Tennessee. They've had three games where they've had more than 500 yards of total offense. Uh, at the same time, those were against Vanderbilt, Missouri, and UAB. So they're lining it up against the teams 
they should light it up against. Um, the, the other thing is when they've played some good defenses, they've not lit it up uh, in some of these games. They, they only had 354 yards in the Florida game where it was a close game until they went on this little 21-point flurry right before halftime, and then suddenly the game was over. Um, and the defense kind of uh, led to all of that, uh, caused some of those scores. And then Clemson held them to 256 yards uh, of, of offense in the season opener uh, when we weren't really sure what to make of Clemson and didn't know how mediocre that team really was. And we didn't know what, how good Georgia might be at that time. We just knew they were a contender, and, and they've obviously turned out to be even better than that game probably showed. The other area where Georgia is a little bit vulnerable maybe, and I wouldn't say vulnerable, but exploitable at times, they've, they've turned it over 11 times. Uh, they've had two games where they had three turnovers. So they, they can make mistakes offensively that way. And that's at least that's something that gives you some hope if you're Tennessee. Now, again, though, Tennessee's got to go back and clean up some things defensively. If they have a similar game to what they did this past week against Kentucky, they're not going to last very long in this game. Oh, that, no, the, they the, give up 70 if they played the way they played. Yeah. Against Kentucky. Because the, and the thing that concerns you about this game for Tennessee, you know, while Tennessee in some ways is a nightmare matchup for, for a lot of teams and it even can cause some problems for Georgia maybe, Georgia's also a nightmare matchup for Tennessee with its offense because while Kentucky's running backs are very physical and their offensive line is physical, Georgia's got the same stuff. <laughs> They've got very similar personnel. With better uh, dudes. Can, with better, with same, better stuff, yeah. same stuff, better dudes. Yeah, so, so they do a lot of the same things. And if Tennessee can't tackle better, if they can't be more physical at the, at the point of attack than they were Saturday night, they'll get run over by Georgia for sure. So they, they've got to they've find a way to clean up some of the things they didn't do well in this game because Kentucky kind, kind of exploited them in a way that I definitely did not expect to see from Kentucky, an offense that previously hadn't been very explosive. So if we, if we can see Tennessee's defense sort of re- revert to the form that we've maybe seen uh, in other games, you know, the Florida game for a little while, the, the, the Ole Miss game, obviously, where, where they look like a pretty good defense and, and can actually go toe-to-toe with a team like Georgia for a little while, you know, it, it could be interesting. But, but you know, so the, the defense has to bounce back, though, from what it did Saturday night. And that what you saw in that game, that's the first team we've really seen line up and run it on Tennessee as well as they did for parts of that game. And that's, that's a little concerning because they've done really well against running backs this year. Stopping the stopping the run, especially between the tackles, not so much against Kentucky. No, they weren't. And I'll be honest. Before we go to break here, I'll, I'll just say this: me spending several minutes discussing the ways Tennessee can make Georgia uncomfortable uh, does not mean that I'm ignoring the fact that Georgia can make Tennessee uncomfortable in about a million more ways. Uh, that that's. But my, my, I guess my only point was that that's. That stuff is sort of understood. I think most people, even Tennessee fans, look at it and go. Okay, yeah, that's a way better roster. That's a way deeper team. That defense is ridiculous. The, their skill guys on offense, including a tight end that can just give Tennessee a billion problems, a couple of them actually. So, I, I, I mean, I, I think people understand those things. I just don't know that a lot of people maybe, maybe outside of, of the state of Tennessee understand how dangerous this Tennessee offense could be against that Georgia defense because of the – just the way that it plays, it's just different, and it has guys. I mean, Tennessee's receivers have been running behind secondaries all season long. I have yet to see a single game where Tennessee's receivers didn't easily get behind the secondary. I mean, they, I, it, call it scheme, call it some talent, call it knowing your players, whatever it is, 
they are getting behind secondaries every single week. And I can't think even Alabama. I mean, they just straight dusted them a few times. So they're going to get behind you probably and make some problems. I think Tennessee's got a chance to put up more points on Georgia than anyone has all season. I just wonder, you know, how how many times they can burn that defense and and how their how their own defense can hold up against Georgia. So that's sort of and, yeah. Go ahead. And, and I was going to say, I, and the the other thing about Tennessee in this game that makes Tennessee dangerous, um, and, and you know, kind of the same thing as what we said last week. You know, I, that was a push all your chips on the table kind of game because it was a swing game that Tennessee needed. They've got seven and five clearly in their sights now, but as you said, now they're playing with house money. Tennessee can sort of approach this game kind of like that, that 2013 game Tennessee had under Butch Jones, his first year where they went forward on a few fourth downs. They made a, they blocked a punt. You know, they, 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 they took some chances and they paid off and Tennessee found itself in position to pull an upset in that game. Now, again, totally different situation. That Georgia team was not nearly as good as this Georgia team is. But the point is you can kind of – a a Tennessee team with nothing to lose that can maybe take some chances, throw in some trick plays, things like that, that's always dangerous. So when you throw in a scheme like this with a team that has nothing to lose, it, it's an interesting setup. Again, not saying Tennessee's going to make this a four-quarter game, but – there are reasons to be worried, at least, and certainly on guard if you're Georgia going into this game. And Kirby Smart, I think, has plenty to point to for his team this week to say, hey, guys, you, you better bring your A game because Tennessee is not going to make this easy. No, it's not. And there's another reason why Tennessee might make this uneasy on Georgia, and we're going to talk about that in the second segment. But before we do that, we got to step away, pay some bills, listen uh, to some product services, in-house ads, and other fun things, and we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center across town. Talking Tennessee football primarily in this episode. We'll have some some more hoops later in the week with the 18th-ranked Vols opening against UT Martin on Tuesday. Got plenty more to discuss about all of that, but we got a whole week to do that. We're discussing mostly football and then some recruiting at the end. Tennessee got uh, some some tough recruiting news over the weekend. We won't ignore that. We're going to discuss that here later in the segment before we get out of here. 
but we're going to stick with uh, mostly team stuff for now because there's so much interesting stuff to discuss there. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, go and take a minute out of your day right now. Please, please, please go in there and rate and review this podcast and please hit that subscribe button. If you're listening just on the on the website, uh, nowhere else, that's fine. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there and you rate and review and subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this very Go Walls 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. The one thing we ask for is that you rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. That's really like three things, but it's kind of one overarching thing. So that's the one thing we ask for. So if you're doing that, uh, thank you. And if you're not, go yourself. That That's our new... That's our new policy. We instituted that last week. That's our new policy. We're sticking to it, uh, and and that's that. So, Ryan, lots more to discuss about this game. But one thing I do want to discuss, and, and we'll discuss it more on Thursday. There's no question about it. It's a big topic going into this week. There's a lot of discussion about just how good Georgia's situation is at quarterback. And I think it's a fascinating discussion because when you look at pure numbers, Stetson Bennett is doing exactly what you want a quarterback to do. He's making pretty decent decisions with the ball. The offense is putting up points. He's the only passer in – there's only three passers in the country and one in the SEC with a better rating than Hendon Hooker, and Stetson Bennett is that guy. And you are what your numbers say you are, so you have to give credit there. However, I will say this, and and I mean this. If Georgia could trade quarterbacks in this game, it absolutely would. And anyone telling you otherwise is insane. Hendon Hooker is playing the game at a very, very high level right now. And you look at this, and really, Ryan, he completed 15 of 20 passes for 316, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was named SEC Offensive Player of the Week. And he missed two touchdown throws. So even despite that, the numbers he put up, the efficiency with which he's playing the game, I don't know how much more you could really be asking of a quarterback right now than what Hooker's giving Tennessee, and, and he's the better quarterback in this matchup, I think. It's it's hard to argue that. Now, you know, at the same time, it, it, it is a fascinating debate on this because I, I've been under the impression that Georgia needs – JT Daniels back to give them the spark they need to win a national championship. Um, I, I haven't gotten to watch them much the last couple of weeks to, to really see how well they're playing, but just hearing people talk about the, the, the people who have gotten to see them play more and more people are starting to buy into Stetson Bennett and saying, you know, I don't see how Georgia can go away from him the way he's playing. So it's it's a fascinating discussion because he he does he, he does not have elite arm talent. He made a couple of nice no. throws last week. He really did. But if you go back, there's a there's there's a few throws in every game against Kentucky against Florida that are just downright terrible terrible throws, and that would matter against an Alabama or an Ohio State or somebody like that. I I think I might be wrong. I think Ron. I think Georgia can win a national championship with Stetson Bennett because that defense and that team is that good. And I don't yep. want to hate on a kid. You know, fun fact, his family's from uh, from Wayne County, from Jessup, Georgia, where a lot of my family's from. So shout out to that. Shout out. What's up? What's up, Jessup, Georgia? But I, I think he is what he is, and I think they can win with him. But I just – there's just – there's a couple more dynamics that are just not there. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't know because I – the way teams are setting up this year, you know, Alabama's looked – much more human than we're used to seeing. 
Uh, even Ohio State and Oklahoma have not looked perfect at times. Ohio State's playing better lately, but yeah, I, I, I'm starting to think Georgia really could win a national title with Stetson Bennett. Oh no, I, I, I think it can too. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm, I'm still not sure why I wouldn't. I, I would just make sure JT Daniels was loose and ready just in case because I think there's a chance yeah. it could happen. It's it's possible, but yeah, I, he's doing enough right, and Georgia's defense is so good that it, it does make you think that. Yeah, they'd be crazy to change things up right now, but yeah, it, it is going to be a fascinating uh, dilemma if if they find themselves in a close game and maybe the offense is is scuffling or having trouble keeping up with someone. I, I don't know how that how that plays out. Uh, you know, we've seen that before with Jalen Hurts and and uh, and Tua Tungavailoa. You know, that's uh, that that was a fascinating one a few a few years ago to Alabama. Maybe this one ends up being a similar deal where where Tennessee or where Georgia has to to make a tough call uh, when when the championship's on the line. But regardless. I, I do think Tennessee has the the better quarterback, the more explosive quarterback, certainly in this game, and a quarterback that is uh, that is absolutely playing lights out. I mean, I, it's been a long time since we've seen quarterback play this good at Tennessee, and I hope fans are not uh, not overlooking this at all. Because even though he's not going out and throwing 35, 40 times a game, a lot of that's just because he doesn't have to because they're scoring so quickly. Yeah. Uh, they're, yep. they're throwing – Throw in 20 passes a game, and, and and Saturday night he throws for more than 300 yards, a career high, four touchdowns, uh, and, and and can make some plays with his legs when he needs to also. He, he's not Josh Dobbs as a runner, but he doesn't doesn't have to be, um, and, and he's not been fully healthy lately, so I think you've even not seen him at full strength when it comes to running in some ways lately. So, yeah, you put it all together, Tennessee's got a, got a maybe an edge in the quarterback matchup in this game. That's at least one reason to be optimistic if you're a Tennessee fan going into this one but yeah Georgia's playing so well across the board that that you certainly can't say uh that that Tennessee you know is licking its chops facing this Georgia offense or anything like that because it's still a very good offense in its own right yeah again it just it just does some things very differently from Tennessee but they are you know they they do what they always do and they do it very well uh and Stetson Bennett to his credit uh despite whatever limitations you, you might think he has he is playing well I just think it's really before we move on to recruiting, Ryan. I I, I just think it's really, and we can talk about you know uh, anything Heupel said on Monday as well this morning. I I don't know that he said too much crazy, but you know we we talked to him. We can talk about that a little bit. But my only point is, I think there are few things more dangerous than a pretty decent team that has absolutely nothing to lose in a game, because Tennessee. If you go lose this game by 30 points, who cares? If you lose it by – who cares? You're, most people expect you to lose this game. They expect Georgia to go out there, and, and whether it takes 15, 30, or 45 minutes, they're, they're going to eventually overwhelm you. You know what? Go out there and, and almost coach the way Lane Kiffin coached with Ole Miss last year. Just go out there and say, who cares? Go for it. Be aggressive. You know, at the end of the game, that fourth and ten against Kentucky, and it finally happened – where Tim Banks just said, screw it, basically blitzed the house, and they made the play to win the game. So it's it's things like that. Just go out there, throw what you can at them, be aggressive. Who cares? I mean, I, I just I, – I know you don't want to take anything for granted because South Alabama's pretty good defensively and Vandy's a rivalry game, so you never know what's going to happen there exactly. But you're playing those at home. You, you should feel pretty good. I just think it's exciting for them to go into a game, for any team to go into a game where you don't have hardly anything to lose. No, no question. And, uh, and if there's ever a game for Josh Heupel to become even more of a riverboat gambler than he usually is, uh, this, this is it. Because as you said, nothing, nothing to lose. No one's going to blink if you lose this game by 30. I mean, you're already 
basically 21 point underdogs in this game. Uh, they were they were big underdogs against Alabama, uh, and they they kept that game close for a while. That that's the, the other thing to me is this team is playing with enough confidence and belief right now that despite whatever limitations it has, and and health is a big question about this team. Again, you know we we saw Saturday night it, it was not unexpected that Tennessee dealt with some issues even coming off the open date, but after after going into that game fresher and healthier, you had Tyon Evans and Jabari Small lead the game with injuries. Jacob Warren left with an injury. So still some concerns on that front, and this is not a game to be shorthanded in personnel-wise because Georgia is so good across the board. Um, but this team has a lot of belief. They they know they they hung with Alabama for three-plus three, three plus quarters. They know that they had a chance to beat Ole Miss uh, in the final minutes, and that's uh, obviously a, a good ranked team. So they've, they, have, they have played well against good opponents all season. Um, they, they didn't hang with Florida entirely for four quarters. They faded late against Bama, but – I don't think they go into any game, even this one Saturday, thinking they can't hang with Georgia. I just think this team is playing uh, in a way and with a, with a certain level of confidence that they're, they're going to look at this as a game where they can kind of go out and, and have a chance to shock the world. And that's a, a dangerous spot for other teams to be in, facing a Tennessee team that, that can, again, present such a change-up from what they're used to seeing week to week and and to play with that kind of confidence and belief that they can make it a game. Yeah, and some of the, I guess some of those injury things that were discussed uh, on Monday, you know, Heupel did uh, it was this morning as we're recording this, but but Monday when when, when Heupel said, you know, that that he he thinks he thinks things are trending in the right direction for guys like Evans and Small and Warren to have a chance to play Saturday, but he's not sure yet. You know, that's just kind of where it is. They they finished the game without them. Small and Evans had five combined carries in that game, which is just makes it even more remarkable that they scored 45 points. But, you know, I mean, they, they, they got down there, right, made some plays at the end, a couple mistakes, but also made some big plays. Uh, I, I think the injury stuff was interesting that he mentioned Monday to the extent that any time he ever talks about injuries, he's being – I don't know what if you say – I don't know if you want to call it dishonest or just disinterested in talking about it, probably more just disinterested. He just doesn't like to talk about it, and he, and he doesn't ever say much. But th- that that was something that came out of Monday. Anything else before we quickly move to recruiting, Ryan? Uh, no, you know, I, I was at the Knoxville Quarterback Club, and, and Rodney Garner spoke there. Uh, he he, uh, he talked for about 15 minutes. And, you know, the, the, the other big thing was talking about for the first time, uh, and Josh Heupel, I know, addressed this too, the just the fact that Tennessee didn't self-impose a bowl ban and, and that he was excited for these players, that the players were excited. He thinks the fan base is excited, obviously. Um, but, you know, he, he – he made it clear he strongly believed that this, that these players, after everything they've been through, and as he said, the level of distrust that there was throughout the program when he arrived in February, um, you know, he's he, he's maybe as good of an example of anyone as anyone in the program, certainly as, as any of these players, uh, to everything that Tennessee has been through this year because he he thought he was coming to be defensive line coach under defensive coordinator Kevin Steele under former head coach Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> and ended yeah. up going through uh, a period where he thought he might join interim coach Kevin Steele's staff and then ultimately ends up on Josh Heupel's staff. So this team, this program has been through so much. He, he made it clear he was just happy that these players are going to get a chance to, to, to be bowl eligible, and it looks like they're certainly headed that way. And as he said, he doesn't care what, what bowl game they're in because this is uh, something he's used to doing. He's been spoiled over the years. He said he doesn't think he's ever missed a bowl game besides the year um, that, that he was on – or his program was on probation and couldn't go to a bowl. So he's used to this and, uh, and excited for these players that they get to, to enjoy that reward. So I think that was certainly one of the more 
noteworthy things that, that I heard Monday and, and the, the coach's comments that we were able to hear. Yeah, and quickly, Heupel said that he always maintained a belief that they wouldn't need to at least self-impose a ball ban because he said the interestingness of the situation, if that's not a right word, but but the the, the uniqueness of the situation was that Tennessee uncovered the, the problem itself. Tennessee self-reported everything. Tennessee was transparent, and Tennessee removed all the coaches and players who were involved in it. So he said that was a unique set of circumstances that he there wasn't really much of a you know normally these things come from like a you know a journalist breaking a story or you know a program stitching on another or something like that. This kind of came directly in house from Tennessee and they feel like they got it under control. Now we'll see what the NCAA says. The NCAA can can say whatever it wants and it it has the authority. I don't think it moves quickly enough to do anything for this year anyway, but no. you know regardless we'll, I regardless we'll find out I think in 20 2025, maybe. Yeah, 2025, they'll come <laughs> back and say that, yeah, you can't play in a bowl this year. It'll be the year when Tennessee's ready to go for the playoff, too. Just <laughs> yeah. something like that. I'm sure it'll happen, yeah. But, uh, Ryan, before we get out of here, I, I know that there was some, some big news uh, last week. Uh, as as well as Saturday ended for Tennessee, it did not begin well. Walter Nolan, the number one uh, ranked player uh, in the country, five-star. Number, number two. Number two. He's, oh, he's, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, he's number two now. Yeah, uh, yeah. take that, number two. You're not even number one anymore. <laughs> you, you don't go to Tennessee. You're not number You're not number one. No, but Walter Nolan from, from Powell High School there in Knoxville. Not a Knoxville native, um, but a kid who uh, moved to Knoxville, a kid who's obviously around a lot about the Tennessee program. He's taken a couple visits recently to Texas A&M, and he has pledged his future to the Aggies, which I don't – not official yet. He hasn't signed – uh, still got a couple weeks at least for all that to, to settle, and Tennessee might still be back in there, but but it's certainly – it's not a shock, but certainly not what Tennessee wanted. Yeah, uh, now, now obviously this came as a little bit of a surprise to some people, but it's not it's not entirely surprising that he went ahead and committed uh, to Texas A&M because obviously it raised some eyebrows when he, he was scheduled to take an official visit to Alabama last weekend. Uh, he's had that set for a while going to the, uh, to the LSU game down there. And next thing you know, he's planning another unofficial visit to Texas A&M. He was there on an unofficial visit or on an official visit last month for the Alabama game. Went back just two weeks later after going to Tennessee for the Ole Miss game. Um, so this was his third trip to Texas A&M in less than a month. And, and, and calling off an official visit to Alabama to go back down there to let his mom see it again. It certainly raised some eyebrows that, hey, this, this thing's clearly getting very serious, even if uh, even if he doesn't commit this weekend, things were clearly trending toward the Aggies there for a minute. The thing was, there was still a good bit of belief that Tennessee could sway this thing its direction in the end um, because Tennessee still has an official visit left uh, that it could host host Nolan on. And he's already been talking about coming back to Tennessee this week for the Georgia game. So the, the key was, I think, get him out of that visit without committing. You feel pretty good if you're Tennessee. But in this kind of recruitment, even with the commitment, I certainly don't think you say it's over just yet. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if this one is shut down and, and done before early signing day. Uh, but this this certainly does make make it, it lets Tennessee know that they've they've got a, some work to do. They you know they were obviously right in that with Texas A and M over the past several weeks. Tennessee's done a good job and put themselves in position to to have a chance. And I still think they'll be in it till the end. Um, but this obviously lets Tennessee know they've they've uh, they've got. To their work cut out for them to to change his mind and uh that he's perfectly willing to leave the state of tennessee which you know we, we kind of knew all along with the schools he was looking at but oh, sure, still yeah. but this obviously uh this this obviously makes tennessee's job uh makes it clear their, their job's gonna be pretty tough down the stretch so uh yeah definitely wouldn't say it's over but this uh th- this obviously was a, a 
pretty strong move by Texas A&M. They got him on campus for the first time in late July. It immediately made A&M one of the teams to beat. And then these, these past three visits over the past month have just made it, uh, made it that much clearer that he feels really comfortable there. So Tennessee, uh, We'll, we'll see if he ends up back at Tennessee. You know, this week will give us our first indication of how much he'll continue to look around. Does he make it to Tennessee on Saturday for an uh, unofficial visit for the Georgia game as had previously been planned? Or does he end up not going on that visit? And, and does he still take an official visit to Tennessee down the stretch? So there will be a few checkpoints, I think, that will let us know how serious this still is. My guess is he doesn't completely shut things down, but you, you just never know. No, so, nothing, um, the, nothing about that kid feels like it's going to be shut down until it's signed. No. And, yeah, and you, you uh, know you you know him and his people and his situation infinitely better than I do. But as someone who's just reading tea leaves here and 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 hearing what I hear and and seeing what I see, I I just don't I, I just don't think there's there's going to be zero drama from this point forward with that recruitment. Yeah, no question. And he, and look, he's he's got his own playoff run to focus on. You know, at Powell, he you know that that's a team that has state state title aspirations. So it, it might be real easy for him for even a couple more or three more weeks to say. Hey, I'm going to focus on this and not take any more visits. And yet he still could take a couple visits down the stretch in December. He's got two official visits left since he didn't end up taking the, the Alabama trip. So I'm with you. Even if he focuses on football for a little while and, and tries to shut it down, it, it's still not completely shut down. I don't think. And, and there's a good chance he ends up. I mean, I think he'll be back at Tennessee at some point down the stretch. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but this weekend will give us our first indication of how he intends to play this, whether he ends up back at Tennessee on Saturday for the Georgia game or decides not to take that trip. But that was the plan last week, and now it's kind of a waiting game, and, and some I'm sure some discussions will be had between Tennessee and his family and all that to, to see if they can get him back on campus. But it's a blow to Tennessee, but it's not the final blow. We'll, we'll see if they can uh, if they can kind of counter Texas A&M's uh, uh, body blow here and, uh, and make this uh, uh, an interesting battle down the stretch. But I, I certainly wouldn't say it's over just yet. And I'll say this too. People have kind of been asking, Tennessee's played better. They've shown some positive momentum on the field. When's recruiting going to catch up to that? I, you know, and, and Saturday was sort of a blow to fans who were thinking that things were headed in the right direction. I still think Tennessee ends up having a may, maybe a better finish than expected. I, I think Tennessee's Ooh, quietly Ryan, positioned Ryan, itself. Ryan going on the record. I like it. Well, they they they've quietly done some some good work, and, and a lot of it, you know, as has flown under the radar. Some of it is not, but they're 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 positioned with a lot of guys. It's just you haven't seen commitments yet, um, but they're positioned with a lot of guys to be able to finish pretty strong. So with Walter Nolan, it would obviously look a lot better, but you know, even without Walter Nolan, if they don't uh, find a way to flip him from Texas A&M, I, I think Tennessee is still going to finish pretty strong, and they are. you are going to see some positive uh, reaction to Tennessee's season. Uh, I, I think they have made some strides that are going to show in recruiting down the stretch. We just – Tennessee's had to wait three months without a commitment, but you know, certainly they've got a lot of work to do between now and early signing day. As we said before, uh, many times th this football is going to have to sell itself to a certain extent. So we, we will see because I think it on, on a certain level it will. So we'll see. we got plenty more time to discuss that in, in the coming weeks with other signing period coming up and all that stuff, hoop stuff, football stuff coming down the stretch, bowl stuff, just a billion things going on, tons and tons of time right now tons of things going on right now and little time to discuss them but we will spend every second we can discussing them ryan man thanks for joining us i know we both got to get out of here we got some radio things we got to go do so i uh, appreciate you being here man and uh, we will maybe hear from you later in the week yeah sounds good thanks now if i could just find that button there it is now we can go ahead and get on out of here. Thanks to Ryan for joining us again. Thanks to you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 
podcast as always we always say it but we always mean it thank you thank you thank you for listening you can find all of us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter and grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter if you want just tennessee news on your feed nothing else you can get that at twitter.com slash go balls 24 7 you can also go to facebook.com slash go balls 24 7 tons of stuff on there all day every day but if you want that best most delicious east tennessee smoky mountain spring water right from the tap go get that at goballs247.com the best site on all of alcor's internets to get coverage of tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting tennessee baseball lady vols coverage uh, where maria cornelius does an excellent job covering all things lady vols for us all the time including that sec tournament championship in soccer over the weekend correct congratulations to tennessee soccer for that that was a heck of a week for those ladies you can get all of that, all of that, right? All of that coverage, a couple dozen fresh content items every day. Also access to two forms that run around the clock, the, the Summit and the Checkerboard, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss all things Tennessee, all things sports with all of us, all five of us on the staff and, staff, and thousands and thousands of Tennessee fans across the world in every single time zone imaginable. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And that's after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that ridiculously reasonable rate, you get, on top of that, access to Paramount+, Plus, which used to be CBS All Access, now it's Paramount+, Plus, and that is a growing streaming arm of CBS Viacom that is becoming a monster. Look at some of these shows that are coming to Paramount Plus here soon. You know, you got the, the Yellowstone spinoffs, 1883. You got the Mayor of Kingstown, which has an all-star cast. Tons and tons of good, tons and tons of good actors there. Plus, you get so many other exclusive shows. Every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Uh, fresh movies, new movies, old movies, classic movies, stuff from the, the video vaults of uh, CBS, obviously, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central. Tons of stuff. Plus, live sports. You get access to, uh, you get Tennessee stuff. So obviously SEC stuff, NFL, PGA Tour, Europa League, UEFA Champions League, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, tons and tons of stuff on there. That's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free. No one else can do that for you. We can. That's several hundred dollars worth of stuff for like 100 bucks a year. No supply chain to worry about, no anything else. Just go get it right now in time for the holidays. Tons and tons of good stuff there. You cannot beat that deal. You should go check it out. If nothing else, you should hear from us, oh, by Thursday at the very latest. Uh, talking a lot of Tennessee, Georgia stuff this week, hoop stuff, other things. Until then, be good to each other. Try to, anyway. Try to be nice to each other. Try to have some empathy. Try to be a good human being. Be good to each other. Be safe. We'll see you soon. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.